the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As uh, we head into hour three, November 20th, I, um, boy, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of cleanup here. Not, not really on our end, but just a lot of things to sweep up as we're getting through to the end of the year. Also, I don't know if you've noticed this, and maybe I'm wrong, but I have heard, and this is maybe a good sign, maybe this is a leading index of our cultural indicators. I have heard a lot more about this being Thanksgiving week than I remember that phrase ever really being used before. Um, I I don't know if you've heard it, or David, if you have, but a lot of people, I, I've been on any number of conference calls and people are saying Thanksgiving week, Thanksgiving week. Kind of nice. I, I I just don't remember it, and maybe it maybe I'm maybe I'm being dumb about this. Have you heard a lot of this? But do you know what I have heard? What I've heard that it's the 50th anniversary of the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving special. Oh, is so it? So maybe it's a uh, maybe it's a an honorary aligning of the planets. And we also got just released the in studio recordings of the Vince Guaraldi soundtrack oh, not fantastic. to mention on the 50th anniversary oh, so the planets have aligned this year for Thanksgiving I love that I love that um I can talk about the Charlie Brown specials all day long that's fantastic um and of course we'll do us the Christmas one is particularly interesting Charles Schultz really put his finger on that with CBS you know they wanted to take out the reading of from Luke he wouldn't let them do it and uh, that's become a landmark um, and, of course, yesterday or today is the anniversary of the Gettysburg Address, right? Yesterday. Yep. yesterday. 160th anniversary. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's pregnant with meaning. I, I'd like to go off on that a little bit, uh, and I will in just a moment. But first, I want to wish our mutual friend and this show's friend Steve a very happy birthday, who I have to tell you, was a bit taken aback when I spoke to him this weekend over the confession that you have not watched Groundhog Day, which I assume you remediated over the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I presume you did. Um, it was an no, order. I, I, it was an order of great exigency and urgency. Saturday I, I went uh, golfing Yeah, and uh, went up north and did some country dancing, and Sunday I was... Out with some people, and they did a turkey bowl. Where'd you and go I country did not dancing? Play. It was uh, it was north of here. It was north of here. It was a <laughs> place in Cave Creek. Oh, I love Cave Creek. Yeah. Did then, you Did you sing? No, I, it was I, not my kind of music. I did singing up there once for karaoke. I wonder if it was the same place. I got scolded. <laughs> I got scolded. I was. I did a meatloaf song. And uh, I'm I'm tone three and bad. Yeah, it was it was. <laughs> I knew it. And and I uh, I'm tone deaf, which is why I was first trumpet, but I couldn't play solos very well, not without sheet music, which isn't really a solo. And because uh, I'm tone deaf, I'm just I just am, and it comes out in my singing. And an elderly woman, <laughs> it was so funny. I was sitting down afterwards, and an elderly woman walks by, and she pats me on the back. She was ninety if she was a day. And she goes, 
She says, meatloaf is very hard to do. (laughs) I'll never forget that. Meatloaf is very hard to do. That was kind of her left-handed consolation, I suppose, consoling of me. Slap on the wrist. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I think I've only done public singing one once once since then and that was about a month ago uh where i did a tribute to jimmy buffett at a chinese restaurant at a chinese restaurant yeah i've got you taped singing jimmy buffett i heard a great jimmy buffett song over the weekend what'd you hear well thanks to our friends at safeway on 48th and indian school yeah who seem to be continually playing yacht rock at all hours of the day and night yeah I was introduced to Mexico by Jimmy Buffett. I thought, what is this great it's music playing Buffett. over the speakers? It's not Jimmy Buffett. Well, I, I, I didn't know that, right? And so I go, what is this great music playing it's over James the speakers? James Taylor. And I get my phone out and I say, what, you know, what song it's is this? James Taylor. You can and, go out with Jimmy Buffett's version and come back with Jim, James Taylor's and see what we like well, better. Well, isn't it interesting, though, that my phone said it was Jimmy's? But obviously it probably was James because Taylor's Because you probably held your was... phone up and they were listening to that version of it. Yes, that's what so happened. So you think it really was Jimmy Buffett's version? Yeah, he does a cover of it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. Go out with his and come in with James's and we'll see what's best. All of this is to say Groundhog Day. You must see it. Would you take care of that this week, please, young David? Uh, this is a holiday weekend. Yeah. And it's a working week. A working weekend. It's a working week. We are working. And there are important movies that make you feel good. They're just... Triumph of the Human Spirit type movies. Please focus over here. Please. Rosalind Carter is – God bless her, but – She's dead. I understand. And God bless and rest in peace, but we're still working. Uh-huh. Um, there are some movies that are great triumphs of the human spirit movies, and that is one of them. Groundhog Day. Yeah. You, you must watch it. You won't be culturally literate until you do. I, I mean, I've, I've like Son of a Woman is one, and that's Thanksgiving themed. There's a yeah, that's uh, Son of a Woman is a great one, and uh, our friend says it's a Wonderful Life is obviously a very um, a very popular one as well. There's a contradictory analysis of It's a Wonderful Life. I kind of forgot that Scent of Do you a want Woman to play it? Thanksgiving. Uh... Would you like to play the contradictory analysis? This is from Mr. Spooner on King of Queens. Oh, It's a Wonderful Life. Pretty great, huh? Actually, I think this one's a swing and a miss. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's one of the greatest movies of all time. Well, I don't get it. With George Bailey, the town couldn't be duller. Without him, there's nightclubs, casinos, it's fabulous. I wish he never had been born. That's the uh, brilliance of Jerry Stiller. Yeah, with a contrary opinion. The only man in the world who has that opinion about um, Potterville. Um, Okay, listen, serious issue. I was on a a conference call earlier this morning with a bunch of... uh, bunch of uh, writers and so forth, and they were talking about, the topic was all these kids that, uh, all these college students on TikTok and elsewhere that are that are consumed with the brilliance of Osama bin Laden's, bin Laden's 2002 letter to America and how this happened. One of them postulated it might be a TikTok creation. We don't think it was. We don't think it was in TikTok's interest to actually promote that um, because they know they're under the gun enough as it is it was it's 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 the students who um, 
are repeating and believing the narrative that they've been fed for almost a generation now. If you think that America is not a light unto the nations but a blight unto one and responsible for the horrors of the world, if you think America is systemically racist and you've been given a lot of fare to think that, Barack Obama himself, when he was president, spoke to the United Nations right after Ferguson, Missouri, and he spoke about Islamic terrorism at the United Nations in his address there. would have been uh, 2014, I think it was, 15, 2015. And in the same paragraph and in the same series of breaths where he was denouncing Islamic terrorism, he said, lest you think we should be on a high horse, look to Ferguson, Missouri, and you'll see we have our own problems here, which is such an abysmally terrible analogy to pronounce on the world stage that worldwide terrorism fueled by a radical ideology is on par with an incident, a singular incident that, by the way, was controversial anyway. It was not a slam dunk in one position and was lied about with the hands up, don't shoot issue. Um, you know, to put those things on par, of course you're going to start believing that America is a down market commodity. Of course you are going to start thinking that and, and, and embrace that notion when you are taught that our founding wasn't in 1776 with equality and liberty but rather 1619 with slavery. Of course, when you have Disney preaching these kinds of similar things and Teen Vogue preaching and teaching these kinds of similar things and celebrating the birthdays of Karl Marx as they do each year, why would you not accept the Bin Laden indictment? The Bin Laden indictment of America is little less than the Jeremiah Wright indictment of America or what you get on MSNBC or... In fact, from Ibrahim Kendi and from all the cultural elites these days. That's why the kids are saying it. That's how we're creating perhaps new John Walker Linz and Adam Gadans who left their country's patriotism to join up with Al-Qaeda. I want to talk more about this when we come back. Don't go away. We will be right back. You know, as much as I want to prefer Jimmy Buffett, I think, I think the original is better here. What do you think? I think it's James Taylor. It's yeah, not always maybe. the original that's better, but I think this one, it's a maybe little... Maybe in this case. Yeah, yeah, maybe in this case. It's a little I more... I we want to admit it. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's hard to take anything away from James Taylor, though. I mean, you know... I just says, need to do some more shopping. I'll just have to space out yeah. my shopping, and I'll hear lots more Yacht Rock, thanks to our new favorite Safeway. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a good Safeway. It's a good Safeway. Um, all right, so my point was these kids... These throngs of young adults who are embracing bin Laden, it's easy to say they don't know anything, and it's true. Their historical narratives are, bu- are built upon stack, stacks of factoid on stacks of factoid, which is untruths. It's true. They've been miseducated, but it's not as if they're coming to it with zero IQ. They're coming to it with a generation of teaching, a generation of indoctrination, a generation of pot- pedagogy that has taught them that the anti-American narrative is the au courant, fashionable, and 
intellectually sophisticated narrative. Be prepared for this, by the way, at your Thanksgiving meals um, and your family gatherings. I have a uh, survival toolkit we may be able to get into on that. But, you know, with Christmas coming, and if there are more birthdays throughout the month of November and you have someone who's under the age of, I don't know, 25 or so, and you want to get them a good gift, how about giving them the gift of the second greatest story ever told, which is the gift of America, the gift of of a good history book on America that's easy to read and helps you appreciate this country and serves as a corrective to the indictment of America, which is shared by MSNBC, the education system, throngs of college students, and Osama bin Laden. I would suggest a book called The Land of Hope, easy to read, by a frequent guest of ours, Wilford McClay, who's been a, um, I guess I just said, he's been a frequent guest of ours. He's a professor of history at Hillsdale. Uh, He's one of the most widely respected and published American historians. In fact, young David, I would suggest if he does one of those free Hillsdale courses that you take it. Him and uh, take his course and Tom West. I know Tom West does one. Tom West is my old professor from Claremont. Do you happen to know which one it is? I think they have about 40 or so. Well, it'll be on America or American history. It might be on slavery. It might be on the founding. Tom West is an expert on the founding. I will write it down. Yeah, Thomas G. West, he'll do some courses, and then Wilford McClay. But Bill McClay's History of America is, um, is just brilliant, and and beautiful and apprehensible, easy to comprehend and read. And in the introduction, I, I took notes on it, uh, what he writes in the introduction, because it teaches not only American history as it should be taught and as we once learned it, but it kind of goes up against and into the face of the culture we live in, which is so subject to five-minute history lessons from TikTok or Facebook, or all these factoids that are not based in reality, but based in ideological extremism. He writes in his introduction, Bill McClay does, for the human animal, meaning is not a luxury, it is a necessity. Without it, we perish. Historical consciousness is to civilized society what memory is to individual identity. Without memory and without the stories by which our memories are carried forward, We cannot say who or what we are. May I repeat that? Without memory and without the stories by which our memories are carried forward, we cannot say who or what we are. Without them, our life and thought dissolve into a meaningless, unrelated rush of events. That's what we live in right now, a meaningless, unrelated rush of events. And that's what you're getting from these college students who don't know and cannot say who or what we are other than oppressors, other than oppressors, as opposed to the country that has given more freedom to more people than any other country in the history of the world. He writes, a culture without memory will necessarily be barbarous and easily tyrannized, even if it is techni- if it is technically advanced. Boy, is that true. We've never been more technically advanced. And we are easily tyrannized. He writes, The necessary waves of daily events will occupy all our attention and defeat all our efforts to connect past, present, and future, thereby diverting us from an understanding of the human things that unfold in time, including the paths of our own lives. Folks, I hand you the frenzy. I was at at an event last night, political event last night, 
and uh, one of our listeners uh, came up to me and started asking about, you know, what 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 would I describe the moment we're in? I, I can do no better than just calling it a moment of frenzy. We are thrown into a meaningless, unrelated rush of rush of events where we cannot cogitate, we cannot assimilate information, we cannot think, we cannot reflect. And um, I, I, he said, well, what, what, what is there to do about it? I said, well, I will tell you, but it's one of these situations that, you know, I hope you don't think I'm hypocritical in speaking about, because I, I can't do it, um, just given the task I have before me as a, as, a, as a writer and radio host. I can't do it. But for people who aren't in the business, for God's sakes, take a break. Take a break. Turn off the phone for 40 minutes every night or 30 minutes every night and just sit down and read. Read a book. Read a book you've been meaning to read. Uh, Read an essay you've been meaning to read. On the weekend, take a day. Do what Charlie Kirk does. Take a Sabbath day in full, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, it matters not, and just divorce from social media email, and the frenzy. Do not, as much as I think it's, you know, the best thing we have for news, do not turn on cable news, Fox News. Just take a day off. You will survive. You will live. Fox News didn't exist until 1996. We got by. We made it through. We made it through. And uh, I I just, I, I would say divorce yourself and don't participate in Choose not to participate in the frenzy. Give yourself some memory. Give yourself historical consciousness. Give yourself civilized society by reading a great work. And I don't care if it's ancient or modern. Just any book. Let it be a novel. Let it be contemporary. But just put the phone aside for a while. Start with 30 or 40 minutes. Then take an hour, an hour and a half, or listen to a sermon. Listen to a sermon. There's no shortage of them. Um, listen to something of value and beauty that has nothing to do with the daily rush of events. You will feel better. And it's probably, though I say I don't give medical advice and I don't, it's probably good for your blood pressure too. All right, I'm Seth. We'll be right back. It's just such a good voice, isn't it? Get you goomy. Did you know that he considered this his best work? Did he? Yes. He is most proud of this song, was. Well, I'll tell you why he should be. It makes sense. Of all his songs, it's the only one that I can actually understand the storyline. Huh? It's a ballad. They're all ballads. Well, there's a difference. A ballad Go, is a you look up if you could read my mind. You look up the lyrics to If You Could Read My Mind, and you tell me if you can make heads or tails of it. The words are perfectly clear. The meaning is totally opaque at best. And yet everyone sings it. You know what? I was saying, here's a compliment to you, David. Do what David does. You take some times out. You go dancing once a week. That's healthy. Mm -hmm. That's a good recreational activity. Try to read too. You try to read. Yeah, do what David does, uh, sort of, within limits. It, working out could be just as helpful. Working out is a good thing. A Exercise podcast, is hugely important. It really helps you focus yeah. and get mentally tuned. Yeah. You know, when you're working out, you're not only engaging the muscles of your body, but you're also engaging the muscles of your brain when you do something like that. Learn an instrument. 
Learn how to play an instrument, maybe. That's fun. That's really fun. Um, and a good thing to do. Makes you think. You want the toolkit for dealing with the woke 18 or 20-year-old who's coming to your Thanksgiving table? You want a little help? It's from Eddie Scari over at The Federalist, a guide to surviving your miserable leftist guests at Thanksgiving dinner. I won't read you the whole thing. I'll just go to the advice at the end because he doesn't suggest um, fighting with them when they bring up all the nonsense that they bring up about threats to democracy or, gosh knows, open-air prisons and all the, all the catchphrases and buzzwords that the progressives have at their, at their fingertips. They say what they want with impunity, he writes. The expectation is everyone present accepts it to get along. If not, the belief is you'll be outsmarted and overwhelmed by the mastery of their argument. Should they be countered with a superior, more popular perspective, the game isn't over. They'll scream, and just as likely they'll cry. Evening ruined. Mission accomplished. Seemingly, there is no winning. Either not along, politely, or engage, thus running the likely odds of escalating a conflict that ends ugly for all present parties. But there are other viable options when confronted with a miserable leftist on Thanksgiving. Consider... One or all of the following, depending on the subject's level of hostility. Invite them to relax, cheer up, and share in the joy of the season. Happiness, amusement, and contentment are not the natural disposition of leftists. They prefer anger, self-righteousness, and dismay. The most wonderful time of the year quickly approaches, though it makes no difference. But it very well might be because they don't feel explicitly included by their family and loved ones. After all, leftists are nothing if not self-absorbed, neurotic, and needy. They often require extra attention if it means getting them to cooperate. When one seems ready to initiate a confrontation, perhaps suggest he or she, or they or them, spare everyone the more serious topics of conversation and instead breathe a little. Have a drink and talk instead of sports. Games and romance. That's rule one. Two, with caution, engage the conversation. This option only works if done under the assumption the interaction is sure to become acrimonious. It's nothing for a liberal to call family members to say nothing of perfect strangers, racist, bigoted, and and uneducated. Those are insults sure to be thrown by the wet blanket of a Thanksgiving guest. And just the same, they're meaningless substitutes for reasonable debate and logic. Logic. When the conversation, such that it can be called one, reaches that point, it's best to calmly address the dunce with something like this. I'm glad you got that off your chest. And then turn attention to more interesting, enjoyable guests. There's no matching the emotional agony, anguish, and gloom of a liberal ready for a fight. Their despair is to be dismissed, not disputed. Besides, why should your own delightful spirit be diminished by the perpetually unhappy? It shouldn't give you one more tip when we come right back. <laughs> okay, yeah, this makes no sense. All right, that's a funny thing. I'm glad we have that song. That's a very famous bass line by a very famous bassist, Harold Coort. I don't know how famous he was, but he was a great bass player. And he does the bass in uh, Thunder Island by Jay Ferguson as well, which when I played for a friend of mine once who is a musician, said the bass line is amazing. So I thought I'd look up and see what else he was known for, and it was that song by um, 
the Playboys, I guess. Or, I think that's the group, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Judy, what is it? Judy in the Sky with Glasses? <laughs> <laughs> I think let's, Judy. Let's take a look. Yeah. Don't choke on yourself there. <laughs> Judy in the. Yes, Judy in the Sky with Glasses. Yeah, in Ju- Disguise. Judy in Disguise. Okay, Mondegreen. Yeah. Lucy in the Sky with yeah, Diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Judy, Judy in Disguise with Glasses. That's a Mondegreen that I got the lyric wrong. All right. Um, Gettysburg Address. Students used to memorize it. They used to have to memorize it. Uh, I don't even know if people would recognize elements from it anymore if spoken. But this is part and parcel of the reason young minds can be influenced by terrorists like bin Laden. Do recall what was found on bin Laden's bookshelf. I mean, he was reading the same kinds of stuff that are cited. All he was, he had Noam Chomsky books on his bookshelf. I mean, this wasn't all invented. This is all of a piece. But there was a better understanding of all this Americanism once in our history and what things like the Gettysburg Address meant. Harry Jaffa wrote that the principles upon which this nation were founded are those upon which its survival no less than its prosperity depend. These are the principles upon which we believe our freedom and prosperity as individuals and that of our children depend. These principles are simple and familiar enough for anyone to understand who wishes to understand. Selfish motives, miseducation, or ideological blindness may lead some to deny or disparage them, but nothing can obscure their shining truth. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Lincoln at Gettysburg said that the nation at its birth had been dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Earlier, Lincoln had said that the proposition of equality was the central idea of the founding from which all its minor thoughts emanated. So who do you think understood America better? Abraham Lincoln or Nicole Hannah-Jones of the 1619 Project? Jaffa asks, what exactly did these words about the Declaration of Independence and the Gettysburg Address mean? They meant that there was no difference between one human being and another human being that made one the master and the other the servant. As Jefferson once put it, some men are not born with saddles on their backs, nor are others born booted and spurred to ride them. That a man or woman rides a horse corresponds with the difference in their natures. No injustice is done to the horse. That an ox should pull a plow while a man walks behind is according to nature. In these cases, servitude follows from the laws of nature. But these same laws of nature tell us that when a human being is subjected to other human beings as if he were a horse or an ox, the laws of nature are violated. All human beings are accordingly equal in their right not to be enslaved and in their right to be in secure possession of their lives, liberties, and property. To this end, they have a right to be governed only by laws to which they have consented. That all men are created equal does not mean that human beings are the same or equal in size, strength, beauty, virtue, or intelligence. There are obviously great difference in individual aptitudes and talents in sports, music, math, speaking, and writing. 
They are also unequal in the virtues among them, courage or temperance and justice. But as Jefferson once said, the fact that Sir Isaac Newton may be the most intelligent of living human beings does not give him any right whatever to my person or my property. If there is no natural authority of any human being over any another, over any other, leaving aside the temporary authority of parents over children, how does lawful authority arise? In the words of the Massachusetts Constitution of 1780, quote, the body politic is formed by a voluntary association of individuals. It is a social compact by which the whole people co- covenants with each citizen and each citizen with the whole people that all shall be governed by certain laws for the common good, close quote. It cannot be too greatly emphasized that the political community is a voluntary association. In obeying the law, we are obeying ourselves. In obeying the law, we seek to provide a greater security for the rights which we have from God and nature, but which rights we cannot provide for by ourselves alone. The just powers of government arise for no other purpose than the protection of those rights which are antecedent to government. Governments exist to protect these rights. The rights themselves do not come from government. In the protection of these rights, no citizen is entitled to greater or to less protection than any other. Here is the original meaning of the equal protection of the laws. No one is entitled to greater protection than any of his fellow citizens because of his wealth, birth, or intelligence. Nor is anyone entitled to exemption from taxation or from service in the common defense because of any claim of superior personal worth. The Declaration of the Causes and Necessity of Taking Up Arms, July 6, 1775, was the very first occasion for the American people to speak to the world with a single voice. And in its first sentence, the Second Continental Congress affirmed without equivocation that the idea of the ownership of some human beings by other human beings was an utter absurdity and that to think otherwise was incompatible with reason or revelation. Thus, From the outset, a year before the Declaration of Independence, the American people were committed to the anti-slavery cause and to inseparability of personal freedom and free government. And too few college students know any of that. Portions of the show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They are uh, great uh, corporate citizens in our community, and um, they have a secure investment that actually helps people, where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. An investment where you are in control, you can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, total flexibility, no fees, peace of mind, no attack on principle if you ever need your money back, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. This is a secure, collateralized portfolio, and it may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out and investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. 888-Y-REFI-24. My friends at Y-REFI are honest. They're trustworthy. Check them out. Investyrefi.com. Just to close out this thought or series of thoughts um, as we conclude our time together uh, at the commencement of Thanksgiving week, which is now what we're calling this, I guess. I mean, we'll be here. It's official, kids. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving week. I mean, we'll be here tomorrow, and we'll be here Wednesday. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> yeah, we will be. We'll be live. Or but it is Thanksgiving. Be here, I'll be here. I'll nope. be on the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be here. So it's it's a good time. It's as good a time as any to recommit to to relearning that which we used to know about this country and not unlearning everything we used to know, thus leaving ourselves subject to the um, to the rantings of the progressives, the left, and bin Laden, as so many of our college students seem to be enthralled by. Enthralled is a good word for this. You know what that means, David? It means enslaved. Because if history or progress or change is to be our guide, if the truth of relativism is to replace the truth of the Declaration of Independence, Harry Jaffatop, then the cause for which the nation fought at its birth and in the Civil War had to have been equally meaningless. If the cause of our country was meaningless, so too was the cause for the Civil War. White power, black power, the Nazis, the KKK, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot are as justifiable as Jefferson, Lincoln, or the doctrine of the equal natural rights of all human beings. Or, I suppose, as Nancy Pelosi put it, people will do what people will do. Our Constitution had a purpose. It was not relativistic. It was not neutral on political outcomes. Our Declaration had a purpose. Our country had a purpose. That's why we fight the wars we fight. That's why we fought the wars we fought. And if we can't teach that and regrasp these understandings and subject ourselves to either on an equal plane or an elevated plane, the rantings and the bruitings of the progressive understanding of history, then you'll get more and more of what you got last week. 20-year-olds citing bin Laden. This we cannot do. Thanks for being with us today. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth for David Dahl, myself. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.